Hey, this is Arthur Adams, and you are listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us, we have the man who makes the smoke for Batman's smoke pellets, Ross. Hey. We have... The security line that keeps Batman from falling in the river, Mike. What's up? We have Batman's favorite battering, Curtis. Coming at you. We have the shark repellent, and the guy who keeps us all together, Steve. I only get used once in the movie. Perfect. And then we have the bulletproof bat shield with Rob. I, I get shot sometimes. <laughs> And Batman doesn't die because of it. <laughs> it takes two people usually, doesn't it? Yeah, it typically, you know. All right. <laughs> it's a big shield. <laughs> Batman and Robin can get behind it. <laughs> it's like the train was sort of going and then everything just kind of fell right off the tracks. All right, so uh, today we're doing episode number... 46? Is that right? That's what I like. Sure. <laughs> I was waiting for Curtis to make noises. I was going to, but I listened to it and I sounded like a fool, so... <laughs> well, that's how we get multiple of the intro things. Especially after every title you said. Awesome. Alright, so today we're doing uh, Justice League number 36. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number 21. Uh, Epic? Apocalypse. No, Apocalypse. God dang it. Number one, sorry, from Legendary Comics. Uh, Wonder Woman, number 36. And Inhuman, number eight. From Marvel Comics. Only one one. This one, time. One. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, only one number one. How do you like that over there, Ross? Don't act like you don't care, mister. <laughs> he thinks it's great. Yep. That's what I like. Oh my, alright, so, uh, let's see about a little bit of news from Ross and the Dog Pile. God damn it! <laughs> uh, we found out a week ago that they cast Harley Quinn for the Suicide Squad movie. The live action movie? Yeah. Oh. Who is it? That's a good question, Mike. <laughs> it's a lady from Australia. Yep. A relative newcomer to films? Supposedly. I didn't recognize her. Films that, you know, some might be aware of. But she may have been in a lot more than that. Not non-Australian films. Are you talking about adult films? Oh, God damn it, Mike. <laughs> now, nobody makes a lot of adults see anymore. them. I don't know if they're... I don't shut up. Awesome. All right. So, uh, do we have a name for this lady? We're looking. Okay. Oh, that's Jared Leto. That's a, he, he's not a lady. Well, they were looking at him to play, or a rumor was they were looking at him to play the Joker in Suicide oh, Squad. Okay. That's weird. Why would you have the Joker in Suicide Squad? Don't know. Huh. I mean, well, you saw this the, the Suicide Squad animated, the Arkham Assault. Yeah. Mar Margot something. Hold on. I'm getting close. Robbie. Margot Robbie. Australian actress. Margot. I think it might be Margot. I like Margot. 
Okay. Margot Robbie, and she's a... Australian actress, it sounds like. She looks like she'd fit the part pretty good. She is very blonde. Yeah? That's a key component, I guess. She's been in 15 movies, I guess. Oh, all right. None that I'm aware of. <clears throat> She's going to be Jane Porter in Tarzan, the upcoming Tarzan movie. Oh, okay. Uh, I wasn't even aware of the Tarzan. Oh, she was in The Wolf of Wall Street as Naomi LaPaglia. Huh. Okay. Uh, I missed that one. That's about it. Yeah. Well, there's more. But she definitely yeah. does look like she'd fit the part, though, just from seeing pictures. Right on. Well, that's cool. The costume for the uh, Harley Quinn for the uh, the uh, which movie was it? Live action Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. <laughs> Suicide Squad. It's not. Right. It's not official yet, but it's probably. And if it makes you feel old, she was born in 1990. Doesn't make a difference to me. That makes me feel old. Really? Yeah. Shouldn't let. Shouldn't let. I'd be like, come on over and have some cake, lady. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I looked that up the other day with uh, what was it? Like uh, Superboy and uh, Robin. And they were like 95 mm-hmm. when they were first running out. And I was like, oh, it's been a long time. Yeah. I never thought it had been that long since their creation. It's, yeah. Wow. The, the director for that is David Ayer. And he directed Training Day. Hmm. Well, that's and, crazy. And the new Fury movie. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Well, Has anybody seen Fury? No. Okay. And the new Fast and, or the 2001 Fast and the Furious, he directed that. Huh. I don't remember it by that title, but at the same time, I probably saw it. So. An End of Watch. End of Watch? Oh, okay. That's weird that he's directing. Man, yeah, with Training Day, all those are really like... I wonder if that's the direction they're going with yeah, it. Yeah, that's cool, because all those are pretty like in-your-face type movies. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. That's Suicide Squad pretty good. Any more news there, Ross? Yeah, we uh, learned a lot about Convergence in the past couple of weeks. Okay. It sounds like it'll be pretty crazy. A lot of mixes of popular stories kind of going on, it sounds like. This is the event for uh, next, just before summer with DC? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think Right as they end the, the uh, weekly books. Yeah. They move right into Convergence. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, yeah, we were the, the, the Batman, uh, the Batman Eternal, supposed to be 52 issues, right? Mm. And then, uh, from what I've been told, the Earth 2. Uh, war will end at number 26, so it's ending because of this event. Not out of scheduling, I don't think, but because of the event's happening. Oh, really? I, that's the way I understand it, because I don't think there was originally a target number for it. Uh, but everything is uh, not on... Earth 2 Worlds, it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, was it? I think, it, I think it's the only one that didn't have anything set up. Well, none of them really said anything at first. They're just like, ha, new books, weekly, good luck. And then eventually they all came to saying 52. Right. Hmm. So, Except for this one. This one's newer than the other ones. So. Right. Right. Yeah, because everything's getting preempted during those two... There's nine weeks, right? The, the two months? Everything is preempted by... What's the name of it, Ross? Convergence. Yeah. <laughs> Better than what you were trying to say. Well, there's <laughs> a lot of C names and... Marvel used one last summer, so <laughs> not the kind you're thinking of, Mister <sighs> Ross. What, what do you know about titles from that particular time frame? Um, one the there's a couple that are sound really cool. You have one that's the JLI, so Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, and uh, I want to say Fire and Ice, probably. Yeah, they're all going against. Uh, who is it in Kingdom Come? Kingdom Come. It just, it just says Kingdom Come in the, general, I think. The Kingdom Come characters from yeah. the huh. Justice League. That's interesting. Okay. And then we heard about 
uh, Stephanie Brown, Batgirl, Cassandra Kane, Black Bat, and Tim Drake as pre-New 52 Red Robin going against Flashpoint Catman, I guess. It sounds huh. kind of crazy. Were we talking about that earlier? None of us really remember Catman from Flashpoint. I don't remember seeing Catman in Flashpoint, but he might have been part of something. Yeah, I don't recall Catman either. Unless he might have been a part of the Flying Grayson, <coughs> the Dead Man book. Maybe. With I don't the think so. I don't remember that. I mean, maybe, I guess. I just don't remember that one very well, so... Yeah, that's all right. Uh, could have been part of the Secret Six, too. I didn't, really, I didn't read that one. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, go on, Ross. There was Wally West and his two kids going up against Flashpoint Wonder Woman. Which is also crazy. Yeah, and then an all-female Justice League going against Flashpoint Aquaman. It makes perfect Which sense, actually. Sounds kind of crazy, too. Yeah. yeah. I guess the whole thing starts with Brainiac. <clears throat> All these bottled cities. Well, I think it's supposed mm. to be... I don't think it's actually Brainiac. If I remember right, we have a new big bad that is similar to oh, Brainiac. Telos. Telos? Is that what it's... Uh, I Brainiac's guess, involved. Right. Well, like Brainiac saves cities, Telos saves pockets of reality, I guess. And now they're just smashing them together to see what happens. This is the way I understood like it. That. Seems like a crisis. Dun, dun, dun. Could it be a crisis on infinite Earths? They may limit it to 52 Earths. <laughs> That's a good possibility. What was that yeah. weird one? Supergirl. Uh, ambush Bug. And there was another one. And I forgot the other name. Just for no reason. Against Captain Carrot. Oh, hmm. yeah, you were talking about that earlier. I don't remember the other name either. Yeah, because it was a name I hadn't heard of. I, yeah, I don't remember what it was. There's some weird stuff. <coughs> Should yeah. be fan freaking tastic, Ross. Yeah, it all sounds kind of cool, interesting to read at least. I agree, especially if they bring other characters from those realities back into DC proper. I'm hoping that's what the end goal winds up being. I mean, as far as like random characters are concerned, if they all still exist out there somewhere, then I I don't know. If it's just another reboot to reboot, I'd be a little pissed off because we're only three years in. So going to the fourth year, they're like, ah, do overtime again. I don't think they will. Yeah, you I know, don't I don't so. know. I think they may bring some of the characters in just to, for titles. Right. They'll, they'll do some new titles with those characters in the new universe, maybe, but I don't, I don't see. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see what comes out of it. I originally thought it was part of that multiversity, but apparently it's not. It's yeah. its own thing, where multiversity is completely separate. Yeah. So that's also a little interesting, considering... I think they're probably using it as an opportunity to bring back characters that people have wanted them to bring back, right. like Donna Troy and Wally West. And even right, though we have right. a Wally West now, it's not yeah. the same one. We have a Stephanie Brown, too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, at this point, Stephanie, I doubt they bring another Stephanie back. But I almost wonder if they might be planning on doing a bunch of different universes as stories, too. So I'm Maybe. almost wondering if they'll have a pre-Do 52 universe that they'll just... New stories with Make it afterwards. Things. Yeah, man, that's a crazy idea. Multiple mm, universes like, running at the same cause, time. Yeah, because they're doing Kingdom Come and Flashpoint too. So maybe they'll just decide to do little that's books true. that are in those own universes. Hmm. Yeah, that's a weird idea. Also, I mean, what was it? Was it Zero Hour where we had different versions of different people, different versions of everybody from different realities show up? Is that what that was called? I think that was it. And I think they're actually, they talked about that Zero Hour thing, too. Yeah, it's a Superman title. Yeah. Um, 
pre-zero hour, it said. Mm-hmm. Superman lost huh. Lane, getting ready to have a kid. Have a kid and mm, yeah, pregnant lost Lane. Okay. Getting ready to have a baby. <laughs> huh. Well, depending on who's doing that storyline. Um, Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens? Dan Jurgens? Oh, okay. Huh. I believe. He's yeah. been around for a while. Sounds about right. That doesn't. Guy created Booster Gold. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, whenever, so whenever I was out in Salt Lake, the, at the Salt Lake City Con, um, when I was, I was talking to uh, Carlos Faberi, and we talked about a story he pitched to DC like forever ago, and uh, it was in Elseworlds, and it dealt with the whole Superman and Wonder Woman having a child, and how he got around that, which is like brilliant, is he has Superman build a lead room for her to live in to keep her away from the sun. In order to incubate the baby in her, you know what I mean? So the sun rays wouldn't affect. It was brilliant when I heard it from him. I thought it was awesome. Anyway, eventually everybody dies. But I don't think this is the same thing, although that would be really cool if that was what they were trying to do. Yeah, that's, we were talking earlier about them doing Elseworlds again, and I almost wonder if that's what this will lead to, is all those being kind of Elseworlds Right, that, that, that story was designed to be an Elseworlds story, the one he was doing? Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Crazy. Interesting nonsense. Anything else there, Ross, that's new from the world? We had an announcement about an ongoing Howard the Duck mm-hmm. comic. From, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, from the writer of the artist of Sex Criminals, Chip Zdarsky, and drawn by Joe Quinonez. Do we know Joe Quinonez from anything? I think he did some uh, Marvel covers for Captain Marvel prior to the rematch. Huh. Okay. His name's out there, I just can't place him. Okay. Yeah, it, it sounds familiar, but I don't know why. He's got a real clean style. That's cool. So, and uh, hmm. one of the teaser images looks like Howard's in a suit. Yeah. So. Was he always in a suit? Well, no, but I, remember. I guess he doesn't look as cartoony as he did back in the seventies, eighties. Well, he went through a couple different phases, and they did that whole the, after the, the duck. movie thing. Yeah. He yeah. looks more like the movie Howard the Duck. That's cool. I, so, I think I've seen the picture you're talking about, actually. He doesn't look like Crazy Donald. That's cool. <laughs> and they, well, they did that one series where they turned him into a dog in Marvel Max. Howard the Dog? Yeah, no, he's still Howard the Duck, just he had a dog face. Remember Lobo Duck? And, yeah. Yep. yeah. From Am- 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 Amalgam? <laughs> Amalgam no. Comics, yeah. <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah. So, Howard the Duck ongoing. Go, go on. Yeah. The last, last news that I can think of. Because we've heard that there will be a Star Wars trailer before one of the next big movies come oh, out. Oh, I think future. it was going to be attached to The Hobbit. That's what I've heard. You've heard I've heard either The Hobbit or Hunger Games, but right. I guess it probably wasn't Hunger Games because we would have heard about it by now. Well, I think a lot more people are going to watch The Hobbit anyway. I think so. They're going to care about Star Wars. Yeah. Than Hunger Games. So that'll be interesting. So that seems like that's a while out still, but. Yeah. You know, it comes out this month or December. Are you talking about Hobbit, or are you talking about Star Wars? I was talking about Star Wars. Oh, my bad. No, you're good. My bad. Same thing, different sides. Yeah. We recently recently saw that, uh, well, initially through an email release, and then, of course, on the website. So the uh, Salt Lake City Con is listing Carrie Fisher as one of their main guests for the Fan Expo in July. No, in January. Mm. Which is pretty cool, considering, I mean, she's... Original cast. I think the only one that doesn't ever do shows is is Harrison, and she doesn't do shows very often. At least she hasn't been. I mean, Mark kind of does it all the time, and so does uh, Chewbacca, whose name I don't remember now. Peter, Peter Mayhew. Mayhew. Yeah. So, I don't know. Fisher being out doing that's pretty cool. That's cool. Anyway, 
I think that's all the stuff I have, though. I don't know. Does anyone else have anything? Well, minor thing is they started casting on Outcast. The uh, other Robert Kirkman book? Yeah. Wow. I don't think anything's been solidified there. But. Hmm. It's actually a heck of a book. That's what I've heard. It's a, it's a slow burn to begin with, but it kind of picks up quick. Hmm. Well, well they're already casting for it. I don't, I don't doubt it'd go badly. As far as titles are concerned, I mean, Kirkman's kind of gold right now. Mm-hmm. So, not that the dude's not good at what he does because he's very good at what he does. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll call that for the news, right? Is that what? All right. Uh, so, do you want to do a question for the audience, or let me run through football stats real quick, and then Rob will get the question ready. Do you want us all to sleep? Or? You can shut your mouth over there, Mister. <laughs> just, just all right. Enjoy so, Dark Knights, uh, one thousand two hundred and thirty points. Uh, ball has the Braves moving in a second with a hundred or one thousand one hundred sixty-seven. Then it's followed by the Spirits of Vengeance. At uh, 1,136. Yeah. Uh, that's followed by Amor Beef 1, uh, which is at 11.24. Then we have the Suicide Squad moving up the ranks at 10.88, so 1,088. Uh, followed by Josh's King, which is at uh, 10.81. Then we have uh, J. Cadmo at uh, 10.47. Knights of Unicron at 10.36. Then the uh, the Donkey Kongs down at uh, ten twenty, and Inhumans at ten nineteen. So there's, there's some major shifts in the last week as far as that goes. If if you're paying attention, Inhumans is way down there. I'm su- I'm surprised that Bonas is all the way up there. Though. Dude picked his first team with only two choices of teams to pick from. So I will say that Brian he's he's definitely good at what he's doing. It's good times. I think it's fun. Mike's over there grinning because he's up in the middle now. Yeah. I haven't touched it. <laughs> no, exactly. See, it's all about forethought, Mike. He's like, I knew Adrian Peterson was going to come back someday. Well, he hasn't yet, Mike. So if you still have him, I guess I continue to sit on him since you've had him this long. Anyway, uh, so let's do a question for the audience. Rob, our question this time comes from Mr. Mike. Uh, question, Rob? When... Magneto doesn't have any metal on him. How does he fly? Well, hasn't that been proven that there he does? Some, there's some metal in your blood somehow. This is true. That and magnetic particles in the air. Mm-hmm. Now there's there's definitely lead in your blood. But as far as that, I mean, if you think about, it, if we include like movie canon, we're not talking about that. It, no, but at the same time, it hasn't really been dealt with in the books. I don't think the idea of him using lead in his body. In the movies, they deal with him not having enough in his body and able to make it do anything. Which is why they had the guard sneak other lead in that he could use and pull from the guard's body. But as far as like particles in the air, I mean, you're talking about reversing yourself from gravity. So being magnetic, you think, and this is just in my head, is that you just make yourself the polar opposite of the Earth. And magnetic fields. And yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's what it seems like he's doing in the book all the time is making magnetic fields around himself and allows him to be able to escape gravity mm-hmm. even so like even powerful enough to keep oxygen around himself so that he can survive in space right that's true so asteroid in time that's how he got up there mm-hmm. so i like you know i'm sure there's a more sciencey answer but i'm going to go with that being the right answer yeah i think it's i think it's his manipulation of magnetic fields although we've seen varying levels of magneto's powers 
Because, I mean, when we started the whole thing in the 60s, he was an old man. His powers were supposed to be waning, but he was still powerful enough to take on most military complexes on his own. But he was reverted to a child and then aged back up to assuming prime around 25, 30-something, where he seemed to have the same amount of power or more. And when we see in the new X-Men era, he wound up actually reversing the polarity of the entire Earth for a few moments. That's right, yeah. Making New York turn to rubble in a matter of moments with trains shooting out of the ground and all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, Magneto's powers, when they're at an optimum, can do all kinds of impossible stuff. And so his master of magnetism is far more than just, you know, wielding screws and bolts to come apart. Mm -hmm. But in DC we see the same thing, I guess, with uh, Cosmic Lad. Yes, he's able to fly. Or Cosmic Boy, sorry. Mm -hmm. He's able to fly on his own as well, using magnetic fields and stuff. So my real question is, why doesn't he short out everybody's cell phones? Pandemonium. Imagine how angry people would be. Like, Magneto just comes flying down the street and all your stuff's just gone. Mm -hmm. Laptop's gone. Phone's gone. Magneto! <laughs> It'd be pretty telling if that is what happened, right? You know I mean? <laughs> oh man! No wonder everybody is like pissed at him all the time. He's such a terrorist. My smart key won't work in my car anymore. <laughs> this plastic you know, man, is expensive. These things are. His smart keys are expensive. They are. Oh my god! <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, I mean, it's kind of like uh, Cipher. His power was useless in the '80s, and now it's like, oh, everything's computers. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, All of a true. sudden, now his ability to understand computers is awesome. Where in the 80s, it was like, great, you can hack Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> also <Good> great. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you understand how hard Pac-Man got. <laughs> it got pretty hard. Yeah. I'm looking at Ross over there, and he's like, I'm playing Pac-Man right now. I'm like, dang it, Ross. It was kind of interesting, though. I remember in the 90s, there was a whole thing about him pulling the iron out of people's blood. And that he needed a boost to do that. I think mostly they, they did that because they didn't want Magneto just killing people at random. Yeah. But yeah, there was always a question of how effective that was anyways. Well, there's such a such a limited amount in your blood anyway. I mean, yeah, you have iron in your in your bloodstream and everybody does, but is there really that much? I mean, really? <laughs> anyway, uh so that's a that's about best anybody else want to weigh in on that thing at all with the yeah. idea of magnets and Fly. No, that just got me thinking. How does Superman fly? Hmm. I think that was actually created by laziness, <laughs> right? Because I think it was originally like that they, they, he could just jump, and then they were like, "Man, this is stupid. I'm to have him mm -hmm. jump all the time. Let's just have him flying." But magic of the sun. <laughs> there, there actually is the, the the best scientific example that I ever found for it was that it's him jumping. And then combining it with limited telekinesis that actually allows him to have momentum and twists and like be able to move himself in the air. And so evidently his, his all of his advanced mental powers seem to be just focused on flying. Hmm. So better, I guess better than my idea. He was supposed to also <laughs> have like weird mental like telekinesis basically. Like when you look in Superman's eyes, you're like, shit's gonna be okay. <laughs> Sorry. When you look into Superman's eyes, like, stuff's going to be okay. <laughs> like the first one better. Evidently, just because his that, that was his mental power. Well, like, mm. old 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 day Superman, he had a lot of other powers, man. 
could hypnotize you with his eyes. There's all kinds of things that you could do. Kind of just when they went crazy with his powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he first started, though, like the very first incarnation of Superman was really surprisingly scientifically accurate. Like later when people went back and tried to to explain it, like the size they gave for Krypton and Earth was the right amount of gravity to give Superman the things that he could do, mm-hmm. like jumping really high and... It was weird. It was like almost uncanny how much the people that created Superman got it right. Charlie 27 has super strength because gravity on his Earth is way, or his planet is a lot more tight, dense dense than gravity on Earth. Same as Aquaman living under the ocean and being super strong. Did you think the Ross of that is just because of uncanny coincidence, or do you think that science was shaped by comic books? Uh, I'm going to go with uncanny coincidence. <laughs> you look at your cell phone, does that remind you of Star Trek? Because it should. <laughs> they did have iPads. Yeah. Star Trek's shaping science. No, I wouldn't, don't disagree with that at all. Well, I'd like to think it's, you know, roughly based on science before they started. I mean, wasn't that a similar idea for John Carter? No. Was the difference in planet size Maybe stuff? It, in, back in the no, it's 50s? True. It's yeah. true. Hmm. Superman's, I'm pretty sure, was just a, like a happy accident, but it ended up being almost exactly right scientifically. But because mm, he, he wrote it in the 30s, and it wasn't until like 20 years ago or something that someone sat down and was like, "I wonder if that was actually right." Yeah, and, they did the Anatomy of a Superhero book or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought he had a fish bladder, like an air bladder. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. How do you fly? Fill my bladder with air. <laughs> or helium, as you earthlings call it. Hmm. Like, well, I always got weirded out with the later concepts that Superman, you know, because it used to be, okay, well, he goes in space, he has to hold his breath. He can hold his breath for a long time, hmm. so it's all good. And then later they're like, yeah, he just doesn't even need to breathe. <laughs> so he's a robot now. He just does that to make you feel better because it's weird when he doesn't. He's just cooling off his circuitry. Yeah, like, sometimes I like to breathe. You know. <laughs> Evidently, the same thing's true for eating. So right. man doesn't need to eat. <laughs> Never has to close his eyes. Which, honestly, I, they've done better recently with some of the characters that don't need those things and how that makes them stand away from humanity, like you know, with the with the Sentry and like with the Blue Marvel. We're like, oh yeah, I left that stuff behind, you know, humanity, and like how that kind of affects them and makes them weird. You know, that kind of that does make sense for Superman. I'm sure he probably just does all that stuff out of habit, but he probably doesn't need to do any of it. Well, evidently, so, that yeah, so that was he's good to go under the water too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never really paid attention. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're raised as a human, I'm sure you wouldn't think twice about needing right, to, well, you do to do certain things. Yeah. Huh. Plus. Food is good to eat. It's tasty. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, well, from Superman's Underwater Adventures, let's go and move into the uh, the Justice League number 36 there, Ross? Yeah, just real brief explanation, I guess. Uh, the big thing is, is at the end of the last issue... Someone was trying to kill Lex Luthor, and in the attempt to kill Lex Luthor, they let loose what was called the Amazovirus. Right. Um, and in this book, you learn that the Amazovirus was something super or something Lex Luthor created out of Amazo, though the android, Doctor Ivo's yeah, android. 
it's a uh, uh, depower supervillains. He says supervillains, yeah. but it's probably more a superman. Oh yeah, probably. But um, the virus gets out and infects everyone in the Metropolis area, including most of the Justice League, with the exception of Superman, because apparently he can't be affected by it. Like, affected because he's not human. Uh, Wonder Woman, the same thing, because she's a god. And, and Batman, he makes a point of telling her that. Yeah. And Batman, because he, uh, Lex Luthor says he saved him before he could uh, be infected by it. And Captain Cold, too. We noticed that Captain Cold never was infected by it. At yeah, the end. both him and Cold have masks on, so I, I kind of question that, because he says he helped Bruce Wayne escape from mm-hmm. getting caught by it. Because weren't they were having their their uh, joining of companies or right. partnership or whatever meeting in the last issue when it happened, um, and you find out that they have to. Well, I guess first you find out that the virus, when it infects humans, it basically gives them superpowers, and then they explode. Essentially, is why. Right. Yeah, kind of like their immune burns out and their blood turns like to almost oil, and then they, yeah. they burn out from the inside. Yeah, it's, it sounds awful. Yeah. About it, but and there's like three different phases to the sickness, or yeah, and the, that's the third phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, you find. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, but we find out that in metahumans, it just negates their power. Yeah. So when it's a regular human, they do that third phase blowout, and their brain explodes or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <clears throat> and it sounds like in metahumans, it takes away their power and then it just kills them. Yeah. In the end. Um, and then that's the the big thing in this issue is you find out that the rest of the Justice League has caught this and they only have an hour to live. And for Lex Luthor to fix it, he has to find the person who first caught the, the patient virus, zero. Patient, patient Zero. zero. Yeah. Didn't he give him the virus? Um, I don't think so. I think he was just the first person to... Because the virus was like in a... Like a container. Yeah, it was released when he was attacked. Okay. Or, so they say... Right. I have a feeling like this is going to end up being a whole Lex Luthor plot, but, actually. But that was a but, test patient that he had it on. I'm not sure. Okay. They don't really say for sure. But I don't think so. I think it's the person that well, the, one of the, the one of the guys that broke in to kill Luther. I think he got infected by it first, and because it, it harvested in him, that's why he's immune to it, or why the antibodies or whatever he's got inside of him will help him fix a cure. Oh, he's okay. mutated from being inside the first guy that got affected. Yeah, I think that's what I. You know, I don't totally remember that, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, I think that's the gist of why they're looking for patient zero. Is is Patient Zero on the end? Is he supposed to be someone I know, or is he just... You know, he kind of looks like Bizarro. A little, yeah. And I wonder if it was something that um, uh, Luther was testing on a Bizarro subject to see if he could negate their powers. Oh, so maybe. That'd Wouldn't be that be cool. interesting if that was the case? So instead of it being like an actual attack, it's all a Luther cover-up, like you were saying. Well, yeah. that'd be crazy. I guess that's a possibility, because when I look at him, I don't see anybody I recognize... But he's wearing that full, like, yellow jumpsuit. Yeah, they just make it seem like it's someone that you should know at the end of right. it. Right. Solomon sure. Grundy or something. That's maybe. what he looked like to yeah. me. Right? Yeah, he looks very Solomon Grundy-like. It's just because he's all rotted flesh, and that yellow jumpsuit he's wearing, like, mm. weird. Which I would not be opposed to have a regular universe Solomon Grundy. Don't get me yeah. wrong, Earth 2 Solomon Grundy. It's cool, but I don't know. I like to have I'd a right. Solomon Grundy. I would, too, yeah. I don't. I don't necessarily think that that's who it is. But if that's who it ends up being, that's awesome. Right. 
Yeah, he was, he's a good jumping on point, I'd say. Because there wasn't really anything before that you needed to read to understand what was going on. Yeah, I think even even Amazo is kind of just picking up from old universe, right? I don't think they've actually faced off against Amazo in the New 52. I thought I they, say they I think did. They did. Yeah, they did. Oh, did they? I don't remember when it happened, but yeah. It was, it was a very minor thing when it yeah, happened. It wasn't, like it wasn't a big, big storyline. Mm, okay. I have like a window that I haven't gotten read. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, no, he showed up, uh, he was in there in Forever Evil. Yeah, he was running around doing stuff. He was, yeah. Huh. Yeah, was, he, he wasn't a big deal. No. They just mentioned Ivo as well in that, too. Mm. So. Yeah, well, Raj has score for the book. I'd probably give it a three. Like I said, I think it'd be a good jumping on point if you want to read Justice League. And it is Jeff Jones. And it, it was solid. There wasn't anything... I mean, the whole book was kind of crazy, but I don't think it'll have any lasting repercussions, really. Unless you find out that Lex Luthor's still a bad guy, like we all kind of know. It, it was more of a just a kind of a leading story, but yeah. not any big surprises. Event type thing, yeah. There was one big thing that was interesting to me, which is the new suit for Wonder Woman. At the end of it. Yeah, her little skirt thing. Yeah, they changed her armor around. So yeah, the, the skirt changes, of course, and then she also got different gauntlets. Mm -hmm. And the sword is a little bit different, and she's got a different head tiara. I wonder if that is if that is on purpose or if that's just an artist thing. And, yeah. I don't know. I actually didn't even notice it, to be honest it, with you. <laughs> it's quite a bit different. Is it? Yeah. I, I'm wondering if it's they saw a pre-design for... A new suit for Wonder Woman, and even beat out like the regular Wonder Woman episode issue. Because I think her tiara looks a little bit more like her mother's. I think. I was almost wondering if they're trying to design it around the movie that's coming out. Right. Because yeah. they're trying to get it in people's heads before. I mean, so it's a possibility. A big shock when. Right. Mm -hmm. They need to go a little more bronze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, color telling, yeah, but... Be quiet over there. Okay. Welcome back to the conversation. Well, it's not like I'll ever left. Uh, <laughs> Mike? <laughs> I'll give it a three and a half. It's, Justice League's been pretty good since uh, Forever Evil. Before that, it had a couple low points for me, but it's been pretty solid, so I'll give it a three and a half. Cool. Here it is. Story's good, like I said about Jeff Johns. Um, Jason Fawbox drawing it again. Right. And he's just... He's amazing. He's awesome. He's he's like when Dave Finch started. That's kind of how his art feels. Um, I can see that. I'll give it. I'll give it a three. Right. You kind of do need to know what's going on, but as a standalone, it kind of catches you up in between it, and you, you learn as you go. And I like the fact that they mentioned Flash has been able to synthesize all the viruses known to man, and he can't synthesize this one. Right. So it's a big, oh, big yeah. deal. I like that, too. So, yeah. Because that's usually Flash, when he gets anything, he can mm -hmm. just speed up his molecules. And yeah, and they said it 15 minutes for the worst virus that it's taken for him, and he can't get past this one. So it's a big deal. Right. Especially with Jeff Johns' Flash. Yeah. Yeah. Superman Flash. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah, well, I'll give it a three also. Uh, it's, a, it's a good issue. The art's really solid, like you were saying. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens in it, and it's a very interesting issue. So, I, I pickup-wise, I would say maybe you need to read 30, 35. I mean, you don't have to, obviously, but as far as, like, set up to get from A to B, it, it would help. 
But it, just as far as the standalone issue, there's a lot of action in it. The end is pretty climactic, and there's a lot of like crazy stuff in the middle. So yeah, I give it a three also. Uh, Rob, yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. I think I'd give it a four. Um, I do think thirty-five is good to to read ahead of it, just because you get more interaction with the rest of the Justice League. But I thought it was a heck of a story. Um, I kind of wish they didn't skip the whole outbreak, but you know, I mean, you only have so much time to tell a story, so. In, but, it wouldn't surprise me if they go back to it in the next couple issues, if they show more of what happened beforehand. It's possible. But I, I really like the way Superman <laughs> and Batman react to each other, and the kind of way that they they run this story, because there's a whole point in there where uh, Bruce's mask gets chipped, and he's worried that, you know, Superman gets worried that he gets in, that he's going to get infected, mm-hmm. and you know, Batman's like, oh, the seal's fine, and, you know, Clark really says, well, you know, you don't have to do this. This isn't your city. And mm. Batman's like, well, you know, I know if this happened to my city, you would never leave. You'd be there until it was done. And I kind of like that connection because we're actually building that Superman-Batman yeah, which relationship. Is cool. That's one of the things I kind of miss in this issue is Superman and Batman's good, but in all the previous ones you had really good, like, relationship building between the characters. Mm-hmm. And this one is just not there because most of the characters are in a hospital bed. Yeah. But. Although, for 35, you can't miss out on, like, uh, what was it, Shazam and the Cyborg are in the crowd hiding. Mm. And Shazam's talking about how hungry he is. And it's like, oh, there's a hot dog cart down there. Can I go for, like, five minutes? I'll just get a hot dog. And can I borrow, like, five bucks? <laughs> <laughs> it was just kind of... You know, I, he, we knew that he wanted to do that relationship between them. Mm. It's worked out really well. Yeah, so like I think you said before, it kind of reminds us of uh, Beast Boy and Cyborg. Yeah, yeah, oh, I feel, right, yeah, I feel very similar with that relationship. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, let's uh, move on to Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, number twenty-one, and this is the beginning of the symbiote. Thing. Crossover book or yeah. not crossover? It's not cross. Planet, planet symbiote. So it's like called. That. They have a title name for it. Mm, I don't think so. Mm, that's unfortunate. Anyway, this is the one where we wind up dealing with the Venom, and he's trying to get back to Earth. Um, whereas the symbiote wants to go to the home planet. It seems like. Anyway, uh, <laughs> book opens up basically with this dictator guy who's running for. Election to be the new king of the Spartext and talking about how he believes that Earth should just be destroyed because we cause all the problems in the galaxy. Pretty much. We do. Right, I mean, we're responsible for most of them. Well, just, that's fairly realistic. Pretty much how it works, yes. Yeah. Um, but we're in a bar and there's a bunch of people watching this. Well, they're watching him speak and then after that it goes to like a, a wrestling match or something. But uh, inside the uh, place you got a bunch of people talking crap about humans and about how Earth is, and you got this one guy at the bar who kind of looks sinestroy, except that he's blue instead of pink. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's like a Kree soldier. Probably. And he's boasting about how, oh yeah, he's done slaving on Earth, and how Earth is so terrible, and oh, he's like, kill all the Earthers, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, well, it turns out Flash Thompson Venom uh, was sitting in there hearing him talk, and then follows him outside. And it gets pretty clear quickly that Flash isn't really driving the boat necessarily. Um... He does want to go home, but other than that, he doesn't really seem to be in control of what's happening. But uh, he corners the guy outside and uh, tells him, you need to take me to Earth. And the guy's like, I don't know how I take you to Earth. He's like, well, uh, 
the guy basically admits that he's lying about being on Earth, just talking trash to talk trash. And then I'm pretty sure Venom eats him. It's pretty much, it's off camera. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that's what happens, because we see Venom leave the alleyway that they're in, and then after we see a black trail of blood follow. So, uh, pretty sure that's what happened. Anyway, so, uh, in, in the process, like, he looks crazy as hell, man. Like, the art in this is great. But, like, that Venom, he's, he looks, looks crazy. Like, crazy yeah. crazy. It looks much more alien than it has in a long time. Right, man. So not just, like, the black, what we normally expect from old Venom. This is, like, it, it's different. It's, it's very quite, insect too. Yeah, yeah, man, crazy. I might mention that the artist is the one that used to do the Journey into Mystery book, the Sith. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, Valerio Shitty. Is it shitty art? <laughs> you know it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know it is. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, we go from Venom um, having killed the dude in the alleyway uh, to the, uh, um, what's the name of their ship? I don't think it has a name, though. Do they not? I guess they're calling this just the home ship, I guess, or the main ship? Anyway, so we clash to Star-Lord and Kitty Pride, and they are on a hologram person date? Skype. Like, yeah, like a Skype, but it's not... But she's so, a 3D hologram? Hologram Skype. Yes, that's, that's exactly what it is. And uh, it's they've been developing this relationship between the two of them over the last... I think it's issue one. No, since the crossover with the all-new X-Men. 16? Uh, yeah, 16. And then in the Star-Lord, first couple issues of Star-Lord. Um, but yeah, so they're basically out on a date, and Peter Quill tells her that he's got something he's got to say to her, and he doesn't <laughs> want her to laugh at him. She's like, well, why would I can do this whole chat thing with you across multiple galaxies just to make fun of you? He's like, well, you see, usually when I feel bad about things, I go out and, you know, have me a time with the ladies... And she's like, uh, what? It's like and I've done it hundreds of like, times. He's like, you know, like a lot of times. You know, I get, I start feeling bad about things and why, so, you know, I go hook up with an easy girl and then we, you know, we have some fun for a minute and, uh, you know, I've done it a thousand times. And she's like, uh, really? Not the best thing to say to a girl on a date. And he's like, oh, you don't understand. This time, whenever I was feeling bad about things, I thought, man, I really want to talk to Kitty. See Kitty's face. And, she, and then, of course, like, Silly girls. She's like, oh, it's so great. Forget the fact that he just basically told her that he banged out half the galaxy. <laughs> God. Is that not what he says? And where is she living, Steve? She's still living in the next mansion on Earth. What time? <laughs> I, I don't think she's quite in, in, in that time yet. No? I don't think she's oh. living in Unicorn's time. No, no, no. <laughs> with, with you now, but not. He's not quite. she's not quite having the Unicorn time thing. It's not like he's... Yeah, this it, she's it's close. It's on the outskirts of it, man, no doubt. Anyway, um, so they talk about that for a second, kind of about the fact that he cares about her differently than he's cared about other women, and that the connection they have is a lot different. And she really wants him back on Earth, and he really wants to go back to Earth. And they kind of discuss that for a couple minutes, which is pretty good, cool, like building for their little relationship thing. Um, then she asks him how the rest of the Guardians are doing, and uh, he's like, uh, "Everybody handles stress in their own ways." And we straight up cut to Drax riding this giant, like, lizard thing and beating the crap out of it, it's pretty like, much. It's like rodeo time. You, pretty much, yeah. That's exactly what it looks like. Because at first he's riding it, then it throws him and it comes out to eat him and he's bashing his teeth in. It's pretty awesome. It's really pretty great. <laughs> and then we cut from that to uh, this weapon seller that 
And we're back with the Flash again, so Venom. And the way he's dressed is very like Luke Skywalker Return of the Jedi. As in the symbiotes made itself like a cloak around him. Which looks pretty cool, I think. Uh, but he's returned to the arms dealer he was with him and Drax went and saw once before. And he's had to question the guy about what he is, the symbiote. Meaning the symbiote, not what Flash is. And they actually name what the symbiote species is, and I don't know if they ever did that before. I, I imagine they must have in some other book. This is the first time I remember seeing it. Uh, the Klaintar? It's K-L-Y-N-T-A-R. It's apparently what the Venom symbiote is. And they're not real popular in the galaxy. Well, no, the like way the galaxy sees them is like cockroaches. Um, anyway, uh, so he's shaking that guy down, the guy's like, you know, half these weapons in here are mentally controllable, so I can kill you pretty easy. And he's like, I need to know what I am. I'm losing control. And about that time, Gamora shows up with uh, her blades wanting to get worked on because one of them's not working correctly. And that turns into a fight between Venom and Gamora. Which uh, leads us to more crazy Venom. Like, when he transforms, it's just, he's like a giant crazy bug thing, man. It's crazy. It looks awesome, but it's really crazy. Anyway, uh, so two of them throw, throw down for a little bit, and uh, while they're fighting, Gamora's like, if there's any part of Flash, I'm dressing Flash, if there's any part of Flash left in there, you need to say something now. And of course it just responds with a Venom kill, which is not necessarily how Flash would work. Anyway, uh, so she basically beats him, and then about that time, she attacks him, the s he separates, well, as he's being attacked, we wind up having Peter and the rest of the gang show up, and they separate him from the symbiote, and then trap the symbiote in, like, a glass container. Uh, apparently, before Flash was sent up here to be with the Guardians as the Avengers' uh, human liaison, uh, Tony Stark gave him something that would sonically disrupt the Venom symbiote. So now we have Flash with his no legs being carried around by Drax, while the symbiote's trapped in this glass container, and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. Uh, that leads them to return to the ship after they all cuss and discuss that for a while. And uh, on the ship, they're all trying to decide what to do with the symbiote. They're going to blast it into space, if they're going to give it back to Flash. And Flash is like, you just need to take me back to Earth. And then he basically blacks out. Peter's like, well, that's good. I'd like to go back to Earth. That's a good idea. Flash can control it on Earth, so, you know, we should just take him back to Earth and be done with it. Whereas Rocket and Groot are like, or well, Rocket and Gamora are like, let's just blast it into space, because that's, that's what it deserves. Anyway, um, so in the process of all that going on, we've got Rocket deciding to build a better container to hold it, because it's thrashing around and they're all crazy. And Groot basically watching it, and it breaks the glass, gets out, and uh, last panel is pretty much a Groot Venom standing above Rocket Raccoon, which is crazy. <laughs> like, way crazy. <laughs> And the whole, like, all these different versions of the symbiote look so nuts. They, just, they look awesome. Anyway, and of course, poor little Rocket's just there like, Oh, crap! That's pretty much where he's at. Anyway, uh, book-wise, I would give it a three and a half. I mean, it was pretty entertaining. Like, all this stuff going on with Venom, like, just the way he looks throughout the whole thing. It, Venom's never really been... I never really minded, like, Eddie Brock Venom... And Flash Thompson Venom, when he took over, like, I thought it was a cool idea, because it was the first time I seen Venom do something different. Because even when it was Gorgon, it wasn't any different than before. So, then seeing these versions of it, and what they've done in this book, crazy. This looks awesome. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, three and a half. Uh, Mr. Rob? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd, I'd go with three. I, I enjoy it a lot. Artwork for it is fantastic. I like them building up the relationship with Kitty and Peter. Um, it's, it's an interesting take, because, you know, the symbiote hasn't been back to space since Secret Wars. So I like them building this out. You know, I think it's actually gone so long, a lot of people don't really remember that it's an alien and that it has a place somewhere in the cosmos. So it'll be neat to see what this actually turns into. Right on. Uh, Mr. Ross? No, I didn't actually get to him this time. So no score from Ross. All right. For shame, Ross. Mr. Mike? I'll give it a three. I'm not a huge Venom fan. Symbiotes and all that. It's okay. Um, the artwork's nice, but Guardians has been better in my eyes. But it's okay. It's it, it, kind of interesting, I suppose. We'll see what happens. I wasn't real thrilled when they threw Venom on there, but we'll see what happens. I do have a feeling we're going to see a lot of symbiotes here soon. Yeah. Well, yeah, at least during this arc, I mean... They end where they're supposed to end on the Venom homeworld. That's just crazy in general. Music cars? I like that they gave you a different color in the Venom symbiote. Right. Because you saw red like gills. Um, you saw like a bird. It turned into a bird-type creature. Yeah. It's uh, It was very cool. I like that idea of it. Um, the series has been great to me. And the art in this is just killer so I'll give it I'll give it a three um, it's a very good setup issue I got kind of lost from what happened with flash but that weighs a little on it um, yeah I'll give it a three right on well um, they were early on the when the venom series first came out the first I don't know however many issues I read really cool the way oh, they did the way they wrote flash it. Thompson venom yeah yeah that was that was pretty cool yeah, Venom's, uh, he's one of those characters that they've tried to turn into a hero so many times, and it just doesn't work. And I kind of was expecting that to happen with Flash Thompson. And in fact, actually seeing his militarized version was like, ugh. I mean, that, that was pretty gritty and dark, and yeah, when it, when they it used came, him as a, they, you know, dropped him in, like, basically used him as a weapon. Yeah. When, when the book came out, it was tremendous. So, you know, if, if you're a Venom fan, yeah. And I wasn't is, a Venom fan, but yeah. I like that. But, I don't know, Venom just, I can take it in small doses, I guess. Well, I, I love the Guardian's book, but it's just, it seems kind of out of place to me. But, but eh. you know, uh, Flash was inserted as a, we talked about this earlier, he mm -hmm. was a... Like a lia liaison. Liaison to planet Earth for the Guardians. Team. Yeah, he's supposed to be like the Avengers, though. The Avengers put him there as the human liaison as part of the Guardians team. So, like, instead of having Tony Stark when they kind of started this new series, they basically put him there as their connection to the Guardians. So, And that kind of plays in this, because mm -hmm. the weapon they were given was from Tony Stark. Right. So, But he got separated from the team somewhere down the line. I can't remember how. He, he got kidnapped. kidnapped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They make a brief mention of it in the write-up at the beginning. So if you don't, if you, if you skip out, if you don't skip the write-up, they make a mention of it. Uh, Ultimately, you just need to know they got separated and the Guardians haven't been able to find him, which Gamora talks about that for a second in the book. But yeah, as far as set up, it, it, they give it in that paragraph at the beginning, the whole write-up thing. So it kind of goes over it, not in super detail or anything, but they go over him getting kidnapped. And that symbiote really kicked her butt, so... Oh, yeah. 
And she's the most lethal female in the galaxy. Heck yeah, man. We were made for a pretty cool fight. Yeah. Right on. Uh, well, let's move on to Epic. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Every Damn, time. Why can I not get that right? Not apocalypse, but epoch. Epocalypse like with an e. Epoch. I know. I, no, no. I'm 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 just explaining to the listeners. Okay. Epoch. So it kind of gives you an idea of what it's about. And an epoch is a span of time. Um, so we start out and we see a apple truck, old time apple truck, um, riding around with a bunch of bins of apples on the back. And I think that's just setting up a time frame of kind of where we're at. And we see the guy get out of his truck and, and go into an old-time, maybe 50s-style diner. And uh, he orders some food, and the lady behind the counter is like, hey, there's some kids taking off with your apples. So he gets up from the counter after his food's been delivered, gets up, throws a rock at these kids, calls them riff-raff, and uh, comes back into the diner with his coffee, sits down, takes a bite of his sandwich, and says, hey, can you heat this up for me? So the lady takes it back into the back to meet the chef, and first she says to the guy, yeah, it's going to take a while because he took down the grill. We've got to restart it and all that. So she takes it back to the back and uh, she meets the chef. And they start talking about whatever they're going to do with the sandwich. And she turns on the radio so nobody can hear what they're going to do. And we've looked to reveal and there is a modern-style microwave in the wall. And uh, this sets off some... It emits some anachronistic patterns to some of these police, which are the resynchronization patrol. And these guys have some badass cars. Oh, yeah. I'll listen to you. They're well, awesome. Yeah. Educated. <laughs> One, it looks like it's got a, a, a jet engine in the front right. with, like, a V6 in the rear. It's just a badass car. And they're picking up these, uh, these uh, em- emissions from this anachronistic time anomaly. Right. And, I don't uh, usually put badass in V6. Don't I said V8. you got to listen. Okay. But they look like police, like futuristic police cars. Yeah, they're awesome looking. Jerk. <laughs> so anyway, they show up to this diner, and uh, they bum rush the diner. One of the guys' name is Johannes. Right, one of the and, officers, uh, yeah. Yeah, he gets into this uh, verbal confrontation with uh, the cook. And he's like, yeah, we all want to go to our, our own times. But we're here to get these anomalies out, these anachronistic anomalies out. And for those who don't know what an anachronism is, it's something that's misplaced in time. Like this is going to be misplaced in the 50s. Right. Well, yeah, and the, the microwave is not, like, mounted in the wall. It's hidden and it's smashed out. Like, yeah. Like they smashed out a section of the wall and hid it in there. Mm-hmm. So it's not not like it's installed. It's, it's in the wall simply because they smashed a hole to put it in the wall. <laughs> So they're talking, where'd you get this, who, who brought this? And we see this, like, wanted poster of a guy called The Salesman. And uh, we learn that, hey, The Salesman came through and sold this microwave to him. And the cook doesn't want the, the waitress talking, and she keeps talking. And uh, eventually a fight breaks out between the cook and this uh, resynchronization patrol guy. And uh, he knocks off his helmet. They, they look pretty badass, too. Not just the cars, but the resynchronization guys look pretty badass. Yeah. They've got futuristic-like-looking blaster guns that they call icers. And uh, they've got this helmet that has two little antenna like coming out of the ears. Yeah. And it's got a big-ass red circle up top. 
they look very sci-fi, and it's very much in my wheelhouse. So anyway, they get in a fight. He knocks off his helmet. The chef eventually decides he's going to give up, and Johanna says, you did this to yourself, and fires him and turns him into a human popsicle. And we see him fall back. And uh, you kind of see this look on Johannes's face like, I don't know, he's regretting it because he's looking at the, the microwave and the wall, and he knows that there's anachronisms everywhere, and he's trying to put right the time frame. And we do, prior to this, we cut into a calendar that says it's year 14. Right. And uh, the lady says, we've been dealing with this since like 1649 or something. So we're not too terribly knowledgeable about the time frame right now. Right, where things light up and what year it's actually supposed to be. Yeah. And there was like a Daniel Boone looking guy that was in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. He looked, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of weird, but we're not certain. It looks like the 1950s. Could be the 1950s. We're not certain. Anyway, after he's like lamenting what he had to do, we see this flash to this big city. And in this city, it looks like it's run down and, and, and vacant. And we see like this big barn house in the middle of a highway. Then we see like a steam engine locomotive on a modern locomotive engine just piled up. And then we see some airplanes piled up. And then we cut to this bigger city that's got a gigantic wall around it. And this city's got skyscrapers high as anybody can tell and we see this uh like this dove fly over and it's got mounted not the dove but the city walls have mounted guns <laughs> on them to protect the city it looks like right this dove flies into this window after it's been fired upon that's a homing pigeon we find out and it's brought this uh message to this guy in a frock looking thing like a yeah he looked like a like a pope or something yeah. some religious <laughs> but he's got a weird ass helmet on mm-hmm. kind of like uh adam strange oh yeah so anyway, he picks up this uh, message, and it's like an electronic thing. And uh, it says, hold on one second, sorry. It says, they're getting too close. And then we cut to his face, and he's looking off into the whatever. Uh, so anyway, that's where the book ends. We have no idea what's going on. <laughs> All we know is there's a resynchronization patrol team right. trying to find these time and space anomalies. And uh, I, I assume what we're seeing to, in that city is, uh, like you and I discussed this earlier, right. different pockets of reality, and that's where everything is landed for the resynchronization or, or anomalies in and of themselves. And they've landed they've been in the together. City. Yeah, they just landed in that same city, which is why there's a weird barn and then the crazy double-decker train with all the different components from different versions of trains and the different planes and stuff. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're all just in the same area, which explains why there's a 50s diner, and then these futuristic cars and guns, and how microwave is supposed to be out of place. And we don't even know who the salesman is. No. He's known as John Doe. Yeah. There's just so many questions that this book arises, because we don't know time frame at all. No. It's year 14. Um, I'm guessing different uh, anachronisms in the past have caused all this other stuff to happen. Yeah. And they're trying to set all this straight. Yeah, my my guess is that um, it's 14 years since the big mashup then, that yeah. we're seeing people in, and that like you were saying, these these pieces are just pulled from different time periods, but in the same area. Mm-hmm. Um, my ultimate guess is that somebody in the Gleaming City there mm-hmm. is is the one that's been monkeying with time, and that the 14 years is probably how long this mashup of time it's has existed. Happened. And that, that's kind of where I was thinking too. I kind of wonder if. 
our lead policeman isn't actually the salesman, too. Right. But just a different time period of him. And the salesman does look like an old 50s gangster kind of guy. Yeah. He's he's got the fedora and the long trench coat, but we we see very little of him. So it could be. We just get, like, his chin, and that's about it. it. Yeah, it could be, and he's trying to find himself somehow. Well, if it's him from a different time period, that would be fairly interesting. Cause it's the same guy, just in two different points of reality, maybe. Huh. I didn't think about that. That's an interesting idea. But yeah, him as far as him shooting the cook and feeling bad about it, I mean, the cook did throw a butcher, like a cleaver at him, mm-hmm. and then tried to shoot him with a really crazy, like, cannon-looking gun that apparently needed to be authorized by a supervisor to use. Oh, so I forgot about it was stolen yeah. equipment of some type, or, or bought off the salesman, but it was like a like a dredge drag gun mm-hmm. without permission you can't actually fire it and he Proper tried to DNA kill him yeah he tried to kill both the cops with that and then he threw it at him when he couldn't right. use it and that's and then after that's when he shot him with the freeze gun whether he felt bad about it or not in regards like the fact is that you tried to kill him both basically twice before he shot him because mm-hmm. uh, we, we know it's year 14 for them right. but we knew that the microwave came from 1994 mm-hmm. right but then the gun has to be beyond our time mm-hmm. so yeah, and yeah. the city looks like it's beyond our time. And well, yeah, well, at least the one behind the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, everything else looks like it's from all sorts of different times. Right. So. right. Pretty interesting. Uh, Courage, guys, score? I forgot to mention it's Jonathan Hennessy who's the writer. Shane Davis oh, is right, the yeah. artist. Shane Davis did Rage of the Red Lanterns. Which is awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's got the time travel stuff, which makes the brain... Hurty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's hitting a lot of my buttons, and I'm very intrigued about the next issue. This is a very good setup. I'm going to give it a four. Cool. Yeah, I'd follow suit and give it a four also. I, I like the setup for it. I like the way everything looks. The art's really good. I, I don't know. Time travel mashup, that's my thing, man. <laughs> so, yeah, for dumb reason, but awesome. Rob? Yeah, I'd give it a four as well. I think it's really well done. I love the artwork for it. Storyline seems really, really good so far. A lot of, a lot of possibilities, and it doesn't feel like it's just telling you you should accept everything as it's given. So, I'm, I'm excited to see where they go next. Right on, uh, Mr. Ross. No, I didn't actually get to him this time. Sometimes Ross, I wonder about you, <sighs> Mr. Mike. Uh, well, I'll agree with you. It's four. I wasn't really prepared. <laughs> um, it kind of vapor locked a little bit. Kind of confused. I'll go back and read it again. But it well, does have a lot of words that you don't use very often in it. Well, yeah, I, I heard the, several of them several times. From, man, <laughs> right? <laughs> from College Boy over here. <laughs> what, what are these artifacts called? What are the policemen called? Resynchronization. And the artifacts are? Uh, the things are out of place? Mm-hmm. Anachronisms. Anachronisms. Listen to you go. <laughs> I knew all that, too, before I read it. <laughs> Do you guys remember, this is off, sort of off the subject, but kind of on the subject, do you remember Time Squad, the cartoon? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that cartoon. No. This, With Tud Russell. Yes. Yeah. Does it not remind you of Tud Russell and Time Squad without the humor? Now it does. Right? Yeah, with Larry 3000. Even with Tud Russell's like, goggles and his yeah. little pointy 
antennas and how they would, would go in time to fix problems. I've even mentioned that show on here I know. trying to get it to IDW <laughs> because it was part of the right? Cartoon, Cartoon Network. Network stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. I would and love to see more of that. It'd be awesome, right? Yeah. But this reminds me of that. Granted, less the cartoon humor, but... The same like squad series, trying like to fix... Like a serious style of that. Yeah. Yeah. We could see... Uh, his name George Washington. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, the sky's the limit, really, for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where it's set up at, it's really, really Because cool of, if they change anything right now, it's going to change <laughs> the future as we know it. Exactly. So, I mean, they're never going to get it right. Okay. And if we believe Star Trek, this is going to, if we, they change something, it starts a whole new. Oh, right. whole new yeah. universe. So. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the sky's the limit for this book, really. I kind of feel like this is. Even something more unique because you know I I kind of feel like these are like the the missing bits like the pieces that get wiped out mm -hmm. when the timeline is changed, right? And they just randomly show up here. Okay. Well, I guess not really know. randomly, but I mean, they show up where they would be in their relative space in reality, just different time periods. So like that barn, the road didn't exist when that barn existed, mm -hmm. but the road you know is there now, but the barn has been gone for years and years. Right. So I kind of oh. wonder if these are like the missing scraps. Of time, so like if something has changed, and for some reason the people in the diner died, well they would be removed from the timeline. Well, boom, they appear in this timeline. Like this is a weird kind of huh. catch-all. It's gonna make the that's brain hurty. I kind of yeah, wonder if that's sure. what. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I've been watching that supernatural show. There's some time travel stuff involved in that show. <laughs> <and> it's <laughs> the crazy. season there is. It's insane it's kind a of show stuff. called Continuum, and it's the third season of it. Yeah, there's some. Enough so that uh, young Craig was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, really, dude? You're yeah. watching at the same time with me. He's like, I don't know what's going on. T talking more about this book, I'm going to amend my, <laughs> uh -oh. my score to 4.5. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it, it was really fun. I liked it a lot. It, it, I don't know. I'm interested to see where it goes. This is why I like talking about stuff. Right. Because... <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I picked Rob's brain, and he thinks of stuff that I've never thought of. Yeah, both. both and it makes idea. that book yeah. so much better to me. Yeah, so. both the ideas of that possibly being the same guy, the cop, and the seller being the same dude. That's an interesting idea. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's something about the way that that he was looking at it mm -hmm. in in the book, and that made me kind of look at it a little closer and be like, oh, his chin looks similar. It could. Yeah. Or he could know 1994. Maybe that's his time. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's so so. Yeah, because everybody's unhooked. Everybody's been pulled out of their time. Definitely. Hey, all right. Let's move on to Wonder Woman number thirty-six. This is with a new uh, art and write team. That's right. Writing, <coughs> writing art team. Art Mer and writer Meredith and David. Yep. So both the Finches and then Friend and Obak. I think it's or Obak. I think it's Richard Friend and Sonia Obak. There you go. Yeah. Is this the same Finch from that American Pie movie? What they call it? No. no. Shipwreck? <laughs> no, no, no. no this, is, this is a different French. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's a different guy. Gosh. I don't know why I remember All right. that. Man. <laughs> There's something wrong with No, Dave Finch you'd recognize from uh, Batman Dark Knight. Or, yeah, Dark Knight. And um, Aphrodite 9. And Aphrodite 9. Uh, he uh, did a bunch of other stuff for Image, too. He did some Image of Forever too. Evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did some of Forever Evil stuff, yeah. He did a lot of the forever. Yeah, most of it actually. And I know Richard Friend is usually his inker. Like, oh, okay. His friend and inker like all the time. <laughs> right on. But yeah, this this is the first of the uh, 
of the runs and with, with the new writing and art team. Um, honestly, pretty much knocks it out, but let's, let's get into the book a little bit. Uh, we're going to actually start the story with a village that winds up being wiped out by this huge tidal wave, and they kind of talk about how water is something that we kind of think we can control and that we think we can kind of master this part of the elements of the world, and then it'll time and time again show us that you can't do it. There's some things that are just beyond anyone's control. Uh, and we also catch up with a lot of the events that happened at the end of this run, which one of the big ones is that Hippolyta has been changed to clay. Uh, they also left all of the male um, Amazons yes. <laughs> on, on Themyscira. So Wonder Woman's now dealing with being both... Her, her member is the Justice League, but she's also now the Queen of the Amazons, and the God of War, and has a whole lot of other kind of different responsibilities that are coming to her. And there's actually a point in it where she has that kind of breakdown where she's like, I'm not used to having this. I used to only have one thing that I had to worry about. And now I feel like I'm worried about everything, and I don't want to let anybody down. And I'll get to that here in a minute because it was a really cool moment. But uh, we kind of see her having her whole connection with the Justice League, and that she's still running around doing that. Well, meantime, on Amazon Island, or uh, Themyscira, mm -hmm. we have a whole bunch of the Amazons that are kind of like plotting against her. They're basically like, we don't want Diana to be in charge of us. She's been too corrupted with man's world. And they don't want to have the male Amazons on Themyscira. They've been gone forever. They don't need to be back. Bringing them together will only weaken them. And there's kind of this like older lady there that's like a soothsayer who they kind of seem to be following her wisdom on, and she's talking about how, oh, this will just make the Amazons weaker, and we need to rise up. And so you're kind of getting this whole splinter group of the Amazons that don't want to be connected to Wonder Woman. And they further feel that she's not as connected to them because of her heritage with the gods. Now, the big secret on the mascara was where all the Amazons came from anyways, which is something we just discovered early on. Because they kind of always were like, oh, well, you know, none of us had parents, so Wonder Woman's weird because she was connected to Zeus. Well, the reality is, like, they all had them. They just never knew them. Right, well, the whole idea that they had basically been getting rid of... Any time there's a male born, the male was just given to... Um, the, Hephaestus. Hephaestus. Oh. Yeah. The armor. The armor. Yeah. Before that, they actually were given Poseidon because they were thrown into the ocean <laughs> to oh, drown. Oh, yeah, that's where I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deal wise, they they basically would go sleep with man, or I guess at this point it was sailors or pirates, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the male children were either thrown into the ocean or later on were given to the the weaponer, and that's pretty much what's been happening to them for ever. So. As far as not having a male population, it's not because they were never born. It's because they were just dealt with at birth. And yeah, the older, the old ways of the Amazons were that they they wouldn't have male children on the on the island. And so basically, like they made a deal with him a long time ago to give all the males to to Hephaestus. So anyhow, um, we catch back up with uh, Diana, and she's with the Justice League, and they're kind of they're kind of seeing the damage that this uh, this tidal wave has done to this little village. How it's just kind of wiped it all off the land. And 
Deanna's really moved by it, and uh, somebody kind of makes a mention to her, like, why would you why would you be so upset about this little village being wiped out? And she's like, oh, you know, all these men and women and children killed, why wouldn't I be upset about it? And so I think they're kind of trying to remind us that Wonder Woman has always been the warrior that loves, I guess, you know? Like, she's always been kind of a big contradictory, because she's always like, I'm going to punch things first, but then she's the first to show compassion and love afterwards. So... But she's uh, one of the first responders, and she winds up coming across Swamp Thing, who's also investigating the situation, because he's finding that the plant life is growing way too fast, and it's an affront to the green. And unfortunately, he has a, he has a tragic line in here where he's like, there's a great disturbance of the green. <laughs> it's a little too Jedi for me. But. but yeah, she shows up down there, and she does her typical Wonder Woman thing, which is like, you know, jump kicking him in the head to start off her conversation. And as they kind of battle, uh, he kind of gets it through her head that he's just there investigating just like she is. And uh, they make a, a big point of like him being able to actually confine her for a moment. Well, yeah, he basically bars her, like he traps her in vines. And then about that time when Aquaman, who's traveling with her, shows up and kind of talks trash to both of them. Because real recently, him and Aquaman had a problem too. And what's interesting because Swamp Thing, or Aquaman at least, actually gives Swamp Thing a lot of credit. And right. kind of is like, you should have watched that, you know? You don't, you don't want to deal with Swamp Thing without knowing what you're doing. And actually that was where the point comes in that I really liked. Because the, the point where she is really unburdening herself is to Aquaman. Which is funny because Aquaman deals with that same kind of burden of being a hero and being a king and being responsible for this dual sort of life. And he has this great moment at the very end of it where she's worried about how she's going to let people down. And his big thing was like, you know, as long as the person you don't you let down isn't you, you know, that's the important part of this. You can only do what you can do. We hold ourselves to this incredible standard that no one can meet. Just, you know, just understand that you're the one that you shouldn't let down. And so at the tail end of the book, she actually goes back to Themyscira and she's meeting with one of the people that kind of had supported her and kind of is catching up on what's going on, and she's basically starting to talk about what her affairs of state are going to be, and she's like, well, I want to go see her mother, my mom, first. And the other lady's like, well, you don't understand, she's dead. And Wonder Woman's like, what do you mean? And she comes running into the area where she's at, and you can see that the clay is pretty much, like, washed away, and it's just her head that's left <laughs> in this uh, cement courtyard. And that's where they leave us. So, you know, like, the Amazons are all in kind of turmoil, and now she's actually happen to take the mantle of being Queen of the Amazons. But she's already dealing with being, you know, full-time Justice League and being the god of war now. Well, yeah, and the lady that she meets, the one that was supposedly backing her as an advisor, is one of the same ones that was with the crazy old witch lady. Yeah. Like, so she's obviously not really Diana's friend, and we know that because we saw her talking to her. Um, but Diana perceives her still as part of her council or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that whole thing where they go in there and basically find her mom, melted away, save her the head, it's crazy. Yeah. And I, at first I really thought that that was just the Amazons, like they took revenge on the clay body. But on the second inspection, like there's a point where there's rain coming down on the body too, and so I wonder if it just kind of washed away. But I don't know. <laughs> it's odd the piece that's left if it's just rainwater. Yeah. I think it's that where whoever the old witch is talks about, and that grand most Amazons if they're old school talk about sister this sister that. So when she's talking, it makes me think that maybe this was Hippolyta's sister, 
Because I don't know if we've ever dealt with one that was, like, actually a sister's sister. But it's also, like, their weird, the way they talk dialogue-wise. I'm not sure if that's a catch or not, yeah. you know? And we really haven't woken up a lot of Wonder Woman's classic villains either. Right. I I have a portion of this that I haven't gotten to pick up. So I wonder if this is... Um, her, mind, her name just flew out of my head. Oh, my gosh. She was the uh, the magical one that changed people into animals. Oh. Kind of ate them. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I can't she, remember. She's a Greek mythological character, too. Cersei. Cersei. Cersei, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if we're starting to see Cersei make her first appearance. Huh. Into the DC. And posing as an old woman to try to manipulate the rest of the Amazons would make sense. Especially if she's making a play to collect all the Amazon men to make her own little army, or just to keep them for fodder to eat. <laughs> right. Hmm. Yeah, we're going to score for the book. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I think this is, you know, I was, I was kind of worried about where it was going to go with the different art team, because Wonder Woman's been a, a really powerful DC story, I thought. So I, I'd give it a three and a half. I, I really was impressed with it. So I think they're in good hands. Cool. Ms. Ross? No, I didn't actually get to it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Mike? Well, I've never really gave even half a fat rat's ass about Wonder Woman. Oh. <laughs> I never did, but uh, I was reading the Batwoman issues where they teamed up. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. It was really cool, and then I'd always heard the run before this new yeah, team is really good, so mm -hmm. I've been trying to catch up. Mm -hmm. um, I've gotten through the first four volumes. It's good stuff. I love Linux. It's really good. Yeah. Um, Aries is cool. Yeah. Um, it's some really good stuff. And I wouldn't usually read a book about, you know, man-hating women, but I can't, I can't deny it's been really, <laughs> really cool. And this looks like they're going to build on what was already there instead of just Taken off in a different yeah. direction, like some books. Yeah, I won't mention that right. girl. Um, <laughs> at three and a half. Okay. Yeah, I I want to really take a look at Hippolyta's gear now and see if the changes that we saw in Justice League to Wonder Woman's gear is actually like incorporating some of her stuff. Because I don't know. That's it, a big thing. I mean, for me to enjoy that book, because I never cared. Hmm? And Wonder Woman just wasn't that interesting to me. I didn't really, never even thought. So it's kind of like the fantasy story thing I never cared about in Saga. Right. I mean, you know, that's kind of the same thing. It's been really good what I've read. I'm not all the way caught up, but I'm... Right. It's it's really excellent. It's it's a really strong take. And this just looks like it's going to build on what was already there, which is really cool instead of, you know... Right. Ms. Um, Rose? I'm uh, fairly far removed from Wonder Woman, so there's no interest... Um, I've always loved Dave Finch's work. Right. Kind of interested to see where Meredith goes with it. Uh, she's a very new writer. Um, it seems like it's it's got its own feet right now. Um, I'm gonna give it a three. Oh. Just because I have no, I've had no interest, but this is slowly building interest. Right. So I'll give it a three. I do want to add that part of the the, the coolness, I guess, of the of the previous run is their focus on the on the gods. Yeah. Right. Like Apollo and uh, Poseidon. It's crazy. And then Hades. Oh, yeah, yeah Hades. Hades. Gosh. Mm -hmm. that, that, 
he's creepy dude. Yeah. And he's got like candles burning on his head and the, and it's he's yeah. psychotic stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, their takes were really good. And I mean they just they threw almost everything out from the old DC of, of how you made these gods look. Yeah, Hades is a creep. He's a kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he looks looks like the king for the the evil Joffrey's king from Game of Thrones, that kid. With a candelabra melting into his face. Yeah, I mean, I mean his eyes, it's all melting yeah. over his eyes. I it's, mean, it's crazy. It's creepy stuff. It's an Poseidon, awesome look. I, I yeah. don't know if you check, check out Poseidon. He's crazy, too. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know how to possibly describe I mean, the double Poseidon. dealing behind everybody's backs they do with each other. <laughs> I mean, just like you would expect it to be, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely worth reading. Yeah, I, I think Wonder Woman sometimes is, is an awful lot like Superman. You know, you kind of look at her and you go, oh, well, she's not really that interesting. Cause well, what more can you really do? Yeah, and here we are, boom, breaking down all sorts of new terrain. With that's her. tough. So it's tough with the character's been around that long, like Superman. Even that's yeah. tough to yeah, bring like, something else to the character. I, I can't say how impressed I am with it. You know, she she really brings a ton to the table, and like the Superman Wonder Woman story, that was the same thing that made me so excited for that. Was I that, didn't really hold much hope for that, but yeah, Wonder Woman brought so yeah. much to it, along with. Superman and then his villains that you know we're kind of very familiar with. Wonder Woman brought a ton of new stuff, which right. is pretty unique. And took Superman into it, into her mm-hmm. world, so that was really cool. Pretty too. much, yeah. She should have got top billing, kind of, but <laughs> whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, score wise, I give it a three. It is good. The art's awesome. Um, Mary's a nice lady. I mean, we met, talked to her once at the show, and that's pretty much it. Other than that, I don't know if she's written anything before or not. She's written some for Grim Fairy Tales. Grim Fairy Tales? Okay. It's not anything that I'm familiar with, but uh, as far as a person, I mean, she's a nice lady, and Dave's a cool guy. Art-wise, he's awesome and fantastic, so the book looks great. Uh, <laughs> he's fantastic. He is. He's fantastic, man. <laughs> guy, so good. One, one, I'm sorry. One last thing. I, I just love that it was her and Aquaman that had that whole discussion, like, instead of it being her and Superman. I thought that was a neat take, so couldn't work There's a little uh, tomfoolery going on behind his back. I doubt it. Well, there's only one girl on the team, so she's going to have to do a lot of work. I was going to say, he probably can't hear underwater, so they may be safe down there. (laughs) You know what's hard to say? Is he in the water also? He can't hear through water. Oh, you know even with unless it's whale hearing? sounds. Yeah, well, right. well is that could, whale sounds? Or? They, could, they could hide in a giant clam. Oh man! <laughs> All right, that's a lot of control. Aphrodite. Uh, that's not where I wanted that to go. <laughs> good, good job, Rob. Yeah, good job. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I give it a three. Good stuff. Good starting point. If you haven't read the first stuff, you'd be okay starting here. All right, uh, Mr. Mike, you want to give some uh, Inhumans number uh, eight. number eight? Charles Soul and Pepe Larraz. Ah, Pepe. That's what I like. And uh, color artist is Richard Isamov. It's a good strong anyway, name, too. It's kind of, I read through this pretty quick, so feel free to add. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I will, because that's all I... Yeah, da, 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 da. <laughs> Uh, the spinning out of uh, the events of last issue, um, the uh, I guess you would call her uh, an investigator for the Inhuman Court, um, Aron's her name, mm-hmm. and then she has a partner, that's a, he's called a new human, um, Frank McGee, uh, when they call him Nur, he was used to be a, he was a New York City cop for like 20 some years. years. And he hates the name Nur. Yeah, he just wants to be called Frank McGee. 
um, and they are out uh, looking for Black Bolt. Um, well, they found in the last issue they did find Black Bolt, who is uh, with his brother, crazy brother Maximus. And at the end of that issue, um, Maximus has pulled the brain whammy on Black Bolt and uh, has him tell her hello, tell them hello, and she gets vaporized. Pretty crazy looking, yeah. Um, so we kind of ended there. And we take up in this issue, um, well, it looks like Medusa is uh, uh, doing a workout with Gorgon. And this uh, Frank, McGree, Frank McGee uh, comes to talk to her and tell her, what, tell her what's up. Uh, he kind of he tells her that uh, the Aron was vaporized, and uh, she starts talking about how's Maximus. He's but he's very uh, he's arguing with her. Well, it was your husband that did it, and uh, he seems a little pissed off. Mm -hmm. And he has moments where he's very pleased, where he's like, you know, you can't just assume that since he's your husband that he's wanting to come back to you. I mean, he's less than a mile away, and he's not contacted you. Yeah, he does bring up quite frequently, just in this this issue and past issue, that he, you know, all of his time as a cop, is, he looks at things a little differently. Mm -hmm. So um, they have decided to put together a team to go after him, and it would be uh, Gorgon, McGee, and Inferno. Um, and Inferno's still a little messed up from his last last battle he was in, which I don't recall uh, what oh, that was yeah. about. Yeah, he's a little cooked. Yeah, yeah, he's still he's still a little jacked up. Um, so then we move to uh, where McGee is. The, I guess they're going to get ready to go, but he wants to speak with. Aaron has two children, and he wants you know the cop in him wants to uh, let them know what happened to their mother. Maybe we talk to the girls. Yeah, one of the regents. I don't know what what she is exactly. Just telling well, we have counselors that can handle that, and uh, said, I'd rather do this myself. Yeah, he's like, did any of them know her? Oh well, no, but right. yeah, I think it would help coming from me, kind of, because they know him. Yeah, and uh, so he goes to talk to her girls, and uh, that was kind of a cool little moment in the book mm -hmm. where he sits down and starts to talk to talk to him. And when they're done, we cut to a uh, scene where Inferno shows up, and he's he's talking with his pregnant sister, um, still trying to talk her into uh, naming the child Bonham, <laughs> uh, which she's not real thrilled about. Is that after the Led Zeppelin? Yes, because okay. he used to be a musician. Okay. But then they meet at uh, Eldorak the door, which I guess is an inhuman. I'm not real... Yeah, I, I think this is the first time... We've encountered him. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, I thought I don't know if he'd been around or not, but he's an actual inhuman. But he's like part of the city. Yeah, yeah. it's like a gateway or a, or maybe not. The, so there's the gateway from X Men, and basically his whole thing is teleportation and time travel, sort of. Well, kind of like Lockjaw does. Or, but this, yeah, yeah or how they used Man Thing and yeah, exactly the Avengers. Yeah, same thing. So he's it, but he, apparently he's a living character, not just the door frame. Which is crazy. And he's kind of a curmudgeon, it seems. Yeah, yeah. You kind of have to talk him into it, tell him what he wants to hear. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Well, Which, it, it sounds like he's been around before, like Gorgon. Yeah, they make like, it sound maybe? like he's. But I've never seen. Yeah. Him. They make it sound like he's, there's a history there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they get that done, and we kind of cut across to back to um, uh, Maximus and Black Bolt, and they are now in the Himalayas. They were in Manhattan when that happened. Now right. they're in the Himalayas. And he's doing his uh, inner monologue to Black Bolt, 
Um, and it turns out that he has a hypno gun mm -hmm. that helped him get the job done because yeah. normally he wouldn't be as powerful enough to control Black Bolt like that. Uh, so that kind of explains that. And he's running his mouth, as he usually does. He's kind of nuts. Yeah, he kind of thinks he's doing him a favor by taking him over, because right. with all the things that are coming next, he would sacrifice himself to, to vend everyone. Mm -hmm. And so now he's making him look out for himself. Of course, though, Maximum's really looking out for himself. Right. Uh, so he's telling him, you know, no need to thank me for all this. And he's patting himself on the back. Then he gives uh, a Black Bolt a nice slap, <laughs> and he says, no, really. Uh, about that time, our three show up, and they see them like down slope, I, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they notice each other, um, he wants Inferno to hit him, but Inferno can't pull up the power. He's still too weak. Uh, about, about that time, uh, this Frank McGee fires up whatever his power is, which I'm not really certain what all he does. Yeah, I'm not entirely certain what all of his power set is either, because he can do, like, a blinding light. And he from... survived the... I know that Aaron was in front of him when Black Bolt talked in the last issue, but he should have been vaporized too, but he, he was messed up looking, but mm -hmm. yeah, he didn't get killed, so... Yeah, and Black Bolt's supposed to have uh, enough strength in his voice that he could shatter a mountain. Yeah, just by speaking a word. Yeah. yeah. Well, he ends up uh, blinding Maximus. And... He gets his brother to turn around and he wants him to say his name. And Gorgon starts to freak out a little bit. Black Bolt does say his name, Maximus. And let's see. You just see like huge chunks of the Himalaya yeah. just being decimated by his voice. Yeah. And Gorgon's reminding Inferno, like, make sure you hold your mouth open. And Inferno's like, what are you talking about? And it's like, well, the pressure should be enough skull. to just crush your skull. Just, just being near... Because they're, they're fairly, you know, farther down the slope, but still. Yeah. Um, but we cut to the next page, and uh, Frank McGee, I mean, he's just, he's trashed. But he says, shut up, and he'd shot a gun off. Well, he shot Maximus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maximus is bleeding. And that kind of, must you know, he, he's about to fall off the edge of the cliff. Black Bolt grabs him, but he snapped out of his trance. And he whispers the word remember at Maximus's hands and just disintegrates him. And Maximus goes over the edge. And uh, so they, they get over to Black Bolt and he starts to draw out a diagram in the snow, it looks like. Mm -hmm. um, the Codex, which I'm not sure. Yeah, the Codex wound up being a big thing in um, Infinity. Something yeah. about the accumulation of everything they know about the inhuman geno the inhuman genome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was supposed to actually have, I guess, all the people that could be inhumans encoded in that. Um, it was something that they tried to hide from Thanos when he came in so that he wouldn't be able to pinpoint his son easier. Oh, okay. But um, they gave away a fake one, I think, to Thanos. And so everybody thought whenever Adelon was destroyed that the Codex was destroyed as well but Black Bolt had hit it far before that point. But another thing, and I, I missed when we got there, is that Maximum reveals that he knows what the Illuminati have been doing. Oh, yeah. And there's obviously there was something that they um, referred to that happened in the New Avengers, which mm -hmm. I haven't been reading. But um, 
but they're talking about uh, El Medusa wants him back and wants Black Bolt back, but uh, Black Bolt obviously doesn't speak, and he's getting ready. Gonna, he's just going to leave. And uh, well, uh, Gorgon's always the king. He does what he has to do, pretty much, and that's where we end off. Well, yeah, and part of the, the reason they're in the Himalayas, Him and Maximum, is they're at the spot where the original Adelan was. Adelan was. Back when they were left there by the Kree, um, before yeah. the divergence where the one faction <coughs> and hooked up with the regular man, and the other faction stayed by themselves. That was before they moved to the blue area of the moon. Yeah, right before all the living on the moon and before the, the Adelan that was blown up. Uh, so this is the original, which I think is where the Kodak must have been hidden, because neither him or Black Bolt, neither Maximum or Black Bolt had it. And whenever Black Bolt's all there messing around in the snow, is when all of a sudden he finds it. So I... I assume that he must have hidden it there, and that's why they were there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Whether Maximum knew it was there or not, eh, hard to say. I mean, you yeah, have he's to a, assume he's so, a, but... He's a creep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's no doubt he's, about that. But he's pretty... The way they write him, he's yeah. pretty cool. Oh, yeah. He's... <laughs> but his hands are trashed. Oh, yeah, at this point, yeah, the only, the only way, like we were talking earlier, the only way he'd come back is, like, Ash from Evil Dead with his robotic hands. Mm-hmm. Which might make him more strong than he is now. Or Luke Skywalker hands. Or Luke Skywalker hands, that's good, yeah, good point. Well, he is a genius, even if he is crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, Mr. Mike, you a score for a book? Um, I've been I'm caught up and been reading the last couple issues. Um, I'll give it a three. I mean, it's... it's Fairly solid story. I don't, you know, I have a lot of faith in Charles Soule now these days. Mm-hmm. It seems like everything he touches is gold. Right. For me, anyway, for the most part. But yeah, I'd give it a three. All right. Ms. Curtis? This book com- or this issue combined with the last one are just fantastic. Um, they've really captured Black Bolt. And he's been, <laughs> no pun intended, but the way the way he's written, it's just. Amazing, and the art is great. I'm glad that uh, Stegman's on it now. That way, we get it month to month. Right. And it's got that drive now. I'm gonna give it a four. I really, really enjoyed it. Well, um, I give it a three also. Like it's like you said, the book's never been uh, lacking for art. But as far as like timing is concerned, I mean, Joe Mad's awesome, but the dude takes forever to get anything done anymore. Mm-hmm. So having Ryan Stegman on it. It's just like a different flair, and it, of course it makes the book come out a lot faster, which is way better. Um, but yeah, this particular issue is super crazy, and there's a lot of crazy things happening. And this whole Frank character, who, had, like you guys said, I don't know him from anybody, but he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like when we were talking earlier. Yeah, he's a pretty cool character. Right? Man, he's hard-boiled detective style. is cool. And whether he absorbs energy or, or whatever he does, he's basically lived through two Black Bolt attacks, even... Even though, yeah, trashed his clothes and another girl was melted, but at the same time, that's pretty impressive. So he kind of reminds me of Harvey Bullock. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, a little bit. I can see that. As a an bit. human. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah, I give it. I give it a three. It, it was good. It's a fun story. Rob, um, I'll give it a three and a half. I, I I really think the Inhumans has been a great story, and the only thing that was really working against it was how slow it came out. It lost a lot of its thunder. Lost but, a lot of momentum. Yeah, but I think it's really the book to watch. I, I think they've done a really good job of it so far. So that reader character is cool. <laughs> he's coming back next issue, I believe. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty Which, cool. If there wasn't so much craziness in this one, would have been you know a good one to talk about too. But like Maximum's hands get melted. I mean, you come on, that's like yeah. uh, that's a pretty major thing. So right. that's a cool issue. All right, Mr. Ross. 
No, I didn't actually get to him this time. Except for Ross in the one category. Issue ones. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, Ross. I think I'm funny. Uh, so uh, let's see. Books to watch. I don't. I don't know if we have an interview queued up for this episode or not. I don't think. We, I don't think I do. So maybe next episode we'll have another interview. Maybe. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's do books to watch, and we'll start with Ross. I'd say Batman and Robin keeps being awesome, and we're about to get uh, Super Robin coming in in the next couple issues, which will be cool. Right. And uh, Justice League 3000 with Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and Fire and Ice. That should be awesome. Written by the old JLI team, the same people that did the old JLI stuff. So That's cool. That's for that, uh, what's the name of that thing? Justice League 3000. No, it's yeah, not well, part of 3000, that that's right, okay. Yeah, because yeah, the last issue they just had him show up at the end. Forgot yep. about that. Cool. That way you can get it done, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Mike? Uh, I would say Witches, the second issue that came out. It's it's uh, still crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. It's good. Um, Witches, uh, the Spider-Verse stuff for the most part, have been pretty crazy, uh, except for that main Spider-Verse issue that came out recently. We won't talk about that. The Amazing Spider-Man stuff's been pretty good. I can see where the, uh, the, the Scarlet Spider's coming up. Yeah, I want to say this many. next week. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Um, this Justice League storyline's been, I'd say, it's been pretty good. Along with that Batman, that's going on right oh, now. Oh, right, right, in game. Like one-two punch. Yeah. So yeah, and of course Black Science. I have to say it every time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Back on the rails. <laughs> All right. Uh, Curtis. Uh, stick with Apocalypse. I'm very intrigued by that book. Um, it's going to be a Conan, Conan, Conan Red Sonia crossover coming up from uh, Dark, Dark Horse and mm-hmm. Dynamite. Gail Simone and Jim Zub's going to be writing yeah. it. Gail Simone, Dan Panosian is going to be drawing it. It's going to be it's good. It's a good looking book. Um, that's all I can think of. I know there was more in my head when I started talking. Oh, Drifter. That's it. That that was that first issue was very very good. Fixing to kick off a good another sci-fi series from um, Image. And speaking of sci-fi, there's a book coming out called Time Served. It's going to be coming out from Image. It's going to be a sci-fi book. Hmm? Copperhead. Oh, and Copperhead. Yeah. All those sci-fi books, man. I just right. I can't get enough of it. They just look awesome. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, I would say Copperhead, uh, which is also fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty interested in the... I don't know, those last batch of... The most recent batch of sci-fi books have come out have been pretty cool. Like, the Drifter, it's a pretty cool book. Art's fantastic. In that I, mean, I missed that somewhere. I never even heard of yeah. heard it's in here. Yeah, it's, it's in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah it's good. Um, yeah, I, both... I, all those ones you listed just now, I'm pretty into that. I, I've always, I'm always a fan of Red Sonia, even to the fact that no one seems to want to read her ever. Which is not totally true, but, you know, because Gail's current series, great. Mm-hmm. Man, it's awesome. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's good. Um, and I like Conan, so, you know, I'm happy about you get that. that. That's well, no. Not the regular one. Conan, Conan Red Sonia? I'm, Maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to get it. All right. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in both those uh, from coming out and whatnot. Um, Rob? Yeah, it always still fades away right when you get mm-hmm. to it, doesn't it? 
Um, but the next book for Multiplicity is going to be fantastic because they're going to do the Thunder Family. I'm looking forward to that a lot because it's going to be focused on Shazam. Uh, really happy with Justice League. Um, I think Spider-Man and the X-Men is going to be a great new one. It's going to be coming down the road soon. Yeah, and then I think Gotham by Midnight, which has been slowly coming, and I think I'm more interested in it now than I was when it was first introduced. Ooh. I'm interested to see it. Arkham Manor. Arkham Manor. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I definitely. I have a, Arkham Manor I wasn't so sure about until the, until the first issue, and then yeah. I'm like, it's great. Yeah. Like the whole other persona, that's great. The whole thing is awesome. I'm also excited to see where they're going to go with uh, Earth 2 World's End. Um, I think it's issue 20 or so. We're going to see Power Girl with the Superman crest. Hmm. Oh, yeah. So I'm excited to see that. Is it like an open boob window? Yeah, it actually goes over it. Oh, does it? It fills in the empty spot. Cool. I, I kind of hope that she doesn't keep it, but it looks really cool. Right. So, And there's a lot of like craziness going on with copies of Superman in that story. Yeah, multiples so, of it. Yeah. So it's a little more more crazy than the future's end. The slow. Um, I don't know. Four like, different storylines, and you get a little bit, little bit, little bit. And I think future's end is really written to be four in one, because each of the individual stories are great, but they don't separate them out. Yeah. They separate them between issues. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, I I enjoy it. It, it has all the elements that that fifty two character annoys me. Yeah, she is pretty annoying. <laughs> I think we're going to find out she's a millennia child at the end of she's this. She's all powerful. And be interesting if she's they a make their writer, child, yeah. They write her to make you think she could wipe out Superman or anybody else. I mean, it's yeah. just... And nobody makes Deathstroke their bitch. Nobody. Dude, watch <laughs> that book, too. Deathstroke? Oh, yeah. Deathstroke? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, Squares, number one, comes out in December. Um, yeah. I want to say the 10th, I think. So that's yeah, they, I just saw a, uh, another variant for that. It's got the squirrels, like the warriors from the right. And the squirrels come out and play. That's <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Right on. Uh, anything else? And to keys. Key. To key. To key. key. You know better. I'm not doing it. Boys, <laughs> kill it. Oh. To key. We already did that. To key. To key. I still am. I'm not doing it. Taco yeah, salad. I didn't do it then. I'm not doing it Taco now. salad. Sometimes. Taco briefcase. <laughs> God, dude. <laughs> what's what's that anagram? Taco cat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>